Welcome to The Business of Defense, sponsored by ASMC on Federal News Network. Here's today's moderator, Rich Brady. Welcome, and thanks for joining us again. I'm Rich Brady, CEO at the American Society of Military Comptrollers, which is celebrating its 75th anniversary in 2023, and your host on The Business of Defense, sponsored by ASMC on Federal News Network. My guest today is Richard Manley, president of Thompson Gray. Thompson Gray provides programmatic financial and information technology support to the Department of Defense and other federal clients. Established in 2008 and headquartered in Huntsville, Alabama, Thompson Gray started by focusing on the implementation and training of the Army's General Fund Enterprise Business System. This has enabled them to develop strong relationships and deep expertise in budget and financial management, as well as business processes. Richard, welcome to the show. Rich, thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate the invitation. Uh, we value our relationship with ASMC. We have uh, a lot of our staff who are members and participants. It's a great organization, and I'm happy to be here today. Well, thank you very much. Uh, we really appreciate uh, you being involved with ASMC as well, and thank you for coming up to uh, Washington, D.C. today from Huntsville. On the day we're taping, uh, it's, a, it's a wet and rainy day, uh, so we really appreciate you making the trip up here. It's, it's always great to be here because we have so many customers and clients and employees, and, and that's the best part of my job is to get out and see those people. So. Thank you for the invitation. Absolutely, absolutely. Let's start at the beginning. Uh, as I understand it, uh, Thompson Gray was uh, founded in, in 2008. Can you take us back to that time and talk about uh, the origin of uh, Thompson Gray and, and how it got started? Sure. It's, it's a good story. It's kind of a bittersweet story. I'll come to that in just a moment. But Thompson Gray was started uh, in 2008 by a really far-sighted uh, civil servant by the name of Sheila Thompson. She was a uh, financial analyst and uh, some of you may be familiar with the CCWS weapon system. And she was also designated as CCWS's kind of super user to learn how GFIBS was going to replace the standard systems, the, the predecessor standard systems. And she, um, Sheila very presciently recognized that uh, when GFIBS was fielded, there would really be a dearth of knowledge. So she took early retirement and started uh, the company with one person herself doing training to a variety of clients about how GFIBS would work. Of course, the lead system integrator, who at that time Accenture, was required to do training, but it was, it, it was not always synchronized. It was nobody's fault. It was just the way a system is delivered. Uh, they were required to do training uh, to all units receiving, but it's very perishable. If you don't immediately start using, uh, it, it's very perishable. So Sheila recognized that. She started the company, and she grew it. Uh, from that, it was a big success. Uh, she was doing training uh, here at uh, ASAF MNC, as well as in Huntsville and other locations. So she had grown it uh, by the time, um, I'm going to say 2013, she had grown it to where it was uh, 20, 30 people on the staff uh, at the company. And uh, I was working in federal service at the time. She was uh, recruiting me to leave and join her. And at that time, uh, she decided to make a deal to sell a controlling interest in her company to my current boss, uh, a gentleman named Ron Gray. Ron's well-known in the Huntsville area and also in the whole uh, defense establishment. He'd been very successful in a couple of other companies, so he bought a controlling interest. And I came to work on January the 6th of 2014. And it's been a really great story. Um, tragically, uh, Sheila died unexpectedly in 2017. Uh, that was a huge loss for us, uh, uh, personally and professionally, but she had really set a high bar and a high expectation of quality 
and how she wanted the company to go. And we've tried to fulfill that and live that out uh, uh, since that time. Yeah, really an amazing story. Um, it sounds like uh, Thompson Gray started out focused on training for GFIBs and, and probably a, a subcontractor to Accenture or just a separate so, contracts with the Army. Uh, no, we, we, we were very careful. She was very careful and very um, intentional about that to avoid any conflict of interest. Mm. Uh, she did not run any work through Accenture. She was uh, uh, very intentional about that. Uh, she had uh, uh, relationships with several contractors in town and other places that had, uh, had uh, flexible contracts that customers could get to us through, and we've used that even today to great success. But that, that's kind of how it all started. But we did not want to have uh, a conflict of interest by working in support on a, or on a contract with the lead system integrator. So uh, it's been a great, great story. Did that limit uh, growth at the time? Uh, uh, so at the time, uh, I tell you what limited, uh, it didn't really limit growth. What was the, the uh, most significant challenge to growth was finding the right SAP talent to help users and customers understand the nuances and the utilities of, of an SAP-based ERP. Uh, and Sheila, again, was very uh, uh, farsighted there. She went and hired some really good consultants and experts who had done SAP in the commercial world, they had done SAP in uh, the federal practice and other, other venues, and that really was a help in designing training materials, uh, and she complimented those people with, with hiring people who understood Army financial processes, how the business process worked from, from the creation of the budget, through execution, through closing out, through uh, joint reconciliation, all the major steps uh, in, in the uh, Army budget process. And putting those two skill sets together, I think it really, really provided a, a synergistic uh, uh, level of capability and expertise that, that enhanced our training. And then before long, uh, we began to ask, get customers at, to ask, well, can you, can you put somebody here that can do more than training, that can do execution steps up to the point where a government employee has to do right. what, what's required to as a government employee? So, so that really began the, uh, the growth of the company when people realized, ah, these guys know what they're doing and they can truncate and, and shortstop some of this rework by just putting somebody there in, in our formation. And that's, that really kick-started uh, our growth posture in about 2014. And what impact did uh, bringing Mr. Gray on have? I mean, were there, obviously, financially, he, he bought in, um, uh, and, but w was it a pivot in strategy at that point, or just was it, it growth in the continued same area? It, 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 was, it, it was a growth in the same area, but what uh, Ron has... Uh, uh, such high credibility and name recognition, particularly in the Huntsville market, but also in places in the, in the D.C. market, uh, that that helped a lot. Uh, and and he his financial backing uh, enabled us to really get off the ground and moving. And since then, it's we've we've just been very very fortunate in our growth posture. And uh, where are you at today as far as the size of the organization? You mentioned early on uh, uh, grew up to about 30 employees uh, now. Today, as of the end of the month, last month, uh, we were at 227 employees. Probably about half of our work is um, in uh, uh, the Huntsville, Greater Huntsville area. 40% or so of our work is in uh, Northern Virginia. And then we have uh, uh, work in... Um, uh, San Antonio, and we are growing uh, a nice size piece of work down in Orlando at uh, PEO Stry, uh, 
and the cross-functional team for the uh, synthetic training environment. So those are our major locations. Of course, with remote work and some of our support to uh, uh, the property plant and equipment modules of GFIBs to the DPW community, some of those people in ones and twos work remotely wherever they live in the country, but that's a, that's a reasonably small percentage. Right. So we, our, our, you know, Huntsville and Northern Virginia are the largest concentrations of work, and then we have respectable size concentrations in San Antonio and, and in Orlando. It sounds like your growth uh, relied heavily on reputation, uh, and uh, obviously yeah. that uh, we talked earlier that uh, your reputation precedes you, particularly in a market like uh, like Huntsville. But you can't necessarily rely on that solely to get a government contract, That's right? right. Uh, so, so when you when you walk in and talk to a potential client or contracting officer on the government side, and what's your what's your thirty second pitch? The customer always has a choice about who he uses, so we need to be very conscious of that. When we when we walk into a customer, we try to make sure that we have with us a menu of contracts that that customer could use that we're either subcontracted on or we're part of a team on or whatever so that they could easily, should they choose to use us, that they could easily uh, obtain our service through a contract. Most of our customers start out in ones and twos, you know, one analyst, one whatever. They see what we can do and then it grows uh, from there. Another thing I tell our customers customers in a 30-second pitch, and I also tell employees when I'm recruiting employees, in our company, throughout the management chain, everybody is a practitioner of the craft. And, you know, there are lots of great engineering, logistics, IT companies, and if, if they're your support contractor in, in whatever office you're in, and you tell them, go get me a business analyst, a financial analyst, they will do that, and they'll do the best they can. When they put that person in your formation, that's likely the only one that that has that skill set. With us, we get, uh, if you get one Thompson Gray person in your project office or program office or whatever, that person has access to all 220 odd people in the company, uh, whether it's uh, an SAP question, a budget financial management process question, a policy question. We also are doing work in the audit community, whether it's an audit question, whatever. They have access to those. So we, we, we try to stress to people, and this is a comfort to employees who go to work for us in you know, one person in one place, uh, that they know they have somebody in their management chain or across the management chain that can help them when they get to a naughty problem. Given your growth over the last uh, 15 years, it sounds like uh, your strategy is, is resonating. Uh, well, and we, we try to think so. And, and, and what else that we, we tell customers is that we, we won't put somebody in your formation that can't do the work. One of the areas where uh, we have achieved some growth uh, uh, is in cost analysis. And we're, we're working now to put together a little training program so that we can bring in young people, train them in the Army's ACIT method of cost analysis, make sure that they're properly trained and ready, and then put them out in a customer's form. I'm working with a particular customer now on that idea uh, because the customer's workforce is aging, the cost analysis discipline is uh, not always readily available, so we're, we're, we're looking at a couple of uh, young, bright, fresh out of college students that were either mathematicians, statisticians, uh, some sort of uh, appropriate undergraduate major, give them some training. I'll put them on overhead for a few months to make sure that they're competent, fully mission capable, and then I can put them in a customer formation and also because of their relative inexperience in terms of what they would qualify for in a contract, 
I can probably lower the customer's bill and give them somebody that can grow with them. Right. So we try to be innovative, but at the same time, we don't want to make our customers a training aid. That's not what we're, we're supposed to put people in the formation that can do the work on day one. So that, that's what we strive to do. You're listening to the Business of Defense on Federal News Network. We'll be right back. The U.S. defense industry is large, complex, and competitive. It is also lucrative for those companies able to navigate it successfully. The American Society of Military Comptrollers helps bridge the gap between the boardroom and the battlefield while supporting transformation in the defense sector. The Business of Defense podcast brings you inside the companies working to achieve this directly from the business leaders and to understand how they create value for their companies and their customers. For more information on ASMC, visit asmconline.org. Welcome back to The Business of Defense, sponsored by ASMC on Federal News Network. I'm talking with Richard Manley, president of Thompson Gray. Thompson Gray is a highly skilled and technical team that focuses on consistent and professional support to their clients with services across audit support, business process management, program and acquisition support, resource management, public works, and training programs. Richard, I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, your path to Thompson uh, Gray. Uh, I know you started out at the, in the federal sector. You mentioned uh, you left and came to work, uh, were recruited by Thompson Gray and came to work for them. Can you talk about uh, that transition? What brought you to Thompson Gray and maybe some of, what, uh, some of the challenges, opportunities you saw uh, moving from the federal sector to the private sector? Well, yeah, and that's a great question. I had 29 and a half years federal service, so I, took, uh, I was able to take early retirement to get out. Sheila and I have been talking for about a year. And uh, I was ready to, uh, to do something else. I'd, uh, uh, I had a great federal career. I loved my federal career. I loved the people that I worked with and for and that worked for me. It was a lot of fun. I was ready to do something a little bit different. And uh, so when the opportunity presented and, and, and I could get out, I, I did get out. In terms of transitioning, it was not difficult for me, but it is different when I assumed the role of, uh, I started out as a vice president by managing a business unit, but very Soon thereafter, I became president, and uh, the corporate things that you have to think about. Uh, you know, now I'm responsible for uh, profit and loss for the whole company P and L. Uh, you know, income statements, balance sheets, uh, uh, those kinds of things. Negotiating with insurance companies about benefits, uh, negotiating about uh, management of our 401k, all those kinds of things. Kind of had to to work on. The thing I see that is. Um, that, that I had to do and that I think most federal employees who come to work uh, post-federal employment for contractors just recognize we're now no longer the customer. We're providing a service, and, and uh, we have to uh, make sure that we have that kind of attitude in, in approaching uh, our customers. But it's, it's been great. We've built, uh, I think, a good, good management team. We've got, I believe, the right mix of uh, seasoned managers, uh, that is, mid-career or beyond, and then we have a lot of really uh, uh, managers say under 40 years old that are that are, are growing their business units. Uh, they're innovative. They're creative, um, and and I like that. I, I do like that a lot. Um, you know, we talked about during the break that the uh, currently the defense budget is uh, is pretty stable. It's uh, on the uptick. Um, I believe about eight percent more than the president asked for is what uh, is in the uh, the bill being contemplated today. So there's a lot of money out there. There's a lot of money in the defense business. I think one of the things that sets our company apart is we don't think that every dollar has to come to us. There's plenty of money to go around for the industry base. What I do think that, uh, uh, that we have to recognize is in this time of inflation, we're, we're really running the cost of labor up because there's a finite pool of people who can do this work, do it competently, do it capably, 
and we're hiring from each other. So if I pay you a dollar an hour more, and then a year from now, Company X pays you a dollar an hour more than I, it's the same guy, he's just running up his salary, and, and, and we're ultimately running up the cost of the customer. I don't have a good answer for that. We, we all struggle with that, and, and that's just part of doing business in the environment that we're doing business in today. Right. Yeah, I, I don't think, um, you know, the, you're know, working on the federal government side, uh, whether you're civilian or military, you're really not prepared to, to discuss profit and loss. And as you said, income statements, balance sheets, uh, statement co- uh, cash flows, you're dealing mostly from a budgetary accounting perspective, not an accrual base. And I think it affects people's risk tolerance level. You know, oh, yeah. uh, you know when you're on the government side, uh, you can take possibly take some risks uh, because you can always get a transfer in or out, you know. Right. Uh, it doesn't work that way on the private sector. So, how did, you know? Could you dig a little bit more into how you how you made that transition? You know, from a, you know, to understanding, I guess, uh, you know, how business operates, um, uh, you know, in the private sector side, and, you know, just the basics of understanding, you know, what you should focus on to run a business. So I was I was pretty fortunate in my federal career. The last 15, 18 years of my federal career, I had large service contracts that I was responsible. Or managing. I'm not a really smart guy, but I'm a good relationship guy, I think. And I think that that's the key to it. So I, I would understand, I always try to understand my contractor's problems. I wanted my contractor to make a little money. I didn't want him to hold up the federal government, but right. I wanted to make a little money because otherwise it was not going to be a good experience. So when I transitioned, I think I recognized that we, you know, we had to make money. That was the object of the game. And I, my great fear when I transitioned was, oh my goodness, we may not have people that want us to do work for them. Well, that thankfully has not been a problem. And I credit our employees and the great work they do for that. Thinking about what contract to put them under, what kind of contract it is. And that's another thing that uh, I school our young managers on now. Uh, part of what you have to understand is what kind of contract are you working under? If you're working under T&M, you might be able to make a little more money than a cost reimbursable contract or a firm. And if you're working under a firm fixed price task order, uh, you know, you've got all this risk that you have to account right. for in pricing. So, so learning those kinds of things are, are important as you transition because um, you can win work, you can end up with work and still not make money. And, uh, and that's, you know, you have to explain that to your bank who has your line of credit or your boss who is uh, uh, wondering, you know, what happened to your uh, net income. And, and so those kinds of things you have to, you have to think about. Uh, and, um, you know, I would, I would encourage people who are considering leaving federal service and going to industry, uh, particularly to, uh, uh, to think about those kind of things. Also think about um, one of the things about transition is, to, and, and I, I want to be very careful to, to make a disclaimer here, there is a place in our industry for big publicly traded companies and for small business. If you, uh, if you go, depending on which one of those you go to, your role and, and how you do business may be different. Um, when, I, you know, when I left federal service, I had an, uh, an executive officer and I had a dedicated admin I probably hadn't done a travel voucher in 10 years or longer. You know, now I do my own expense reports. It won't hurt you. I mean, <laughs> it's just part of what you do when you're working at a good small right. business. And we're a good small business. We're, we're, but but you, just, you, gotta, you have to realize that, that there are some things that you have to do in the transition. Uh, right now when we do uh, uh, proposals and that sort of thing, uh, I tap our technical experts to give us input, and then generally, I craft all of the proposal input. 
somebody asked me not long back, well, why do you do that? And the answer is nobody else to do it right now. I mean, as we grow, we'll, right. we'll add that talent. But uh, I think that's one of the biggest messages I would give to people who are considering transitioning from the federal service to the private sector. It is different. It's not bad. It's great. I've enjoyed it. It wouldn't take anything for my transition. But uh, it is different, and you have to be prepared to do things maybe differently than you have done them in the, in the federal service. Now, I did, hope that answered your question. No, absolutely. Did you have mentors that helped you along the way, or do you have mentors So, now yeah, that... I, had, uh, I had uh, mentors when I was in federal service that uh, there was a, a contracting officer. He's been retired a long, long time now. Uh, he, he helped me a lot understand how a contract worked and how contractors worked and how they thought. That was a tremendous help to me, so that was great. Uh, my boss today, uh, Ron Gray, really, really smart. He can he can look at a document and say, that number doesn't make sense, and he'll be right 100% of the time. <laughs> so uh, that, that hones and sharpens your uh, uh, your thought process about how you, how you put work together. Um, and and uh, equipping with the, with the right tools, like your, uh, uh, we use a, a system called Uninet, which is a great system. We really like it, uh, and we're using it uh, for time card management all the way through contract management. Uh, uh, it supports our uh, our payroll and billing functions. Uh, it's it's really a great system. We we, we really like that. But uh, the company was willing to make the investment in that, and uh, it has uh, passed the DCAA review. So uh, those are the kinds of things that you have to think about. And, and uh, you know, I've thought about this, and not to be disingenuous at all, but sometimes as a federal employee, we push money around, and we would just think it's just a stack of paper, and it really was at the time, or, or a bundle of electrons as you were moving it electronically. <laughs> but now today, you know, I'm dealing with real money that pays real people, and, and I, I'm very conscious of the fact that if we have 220-odd people working for our company, Say multiply that by a conservative number of three people in a household. That's over 600 people that are depending on us for food and shelter and income. And so, so you have to take that very, very seriously when you are uh, when you're making that transition from federal service to um, to industry. But I will say this, and I tell we've had people that left mid career and come to work for us. We've had people that left us and go to work in the federal service, and I tell them all the same thing: the good ones will never be unemployed. Never. They'll one place or another they'll you know it's only guys like me that can't find they can't really do anything that could could really struggle to be unemployed. But but the good ones, they'll never be unemployed because our market is so demanding for the right kind of talent and there is, you know, such a small universe that we're that we're grappling with now to, to get the talent. That's really a great story, and I want to thank you for uh, thank you for sharing it, and uh, congratulations on a very successful transition from the federal sector to, uh, to industry. It's really great to hear. Thank you very much. We look forward to having our booth and our reception, which had always been a big hit, at the uh, next ASMC National. Fantastic. Thank you very much. I'd like to thank today's guest, Richard Manley, president of Thompson Gray, for his insights into Thompson Gray's strategy and capabilities, relationships with federal clients, and the defense contracting competitive landscape. Watch the Business of Defense again next month, where we bring you inside the companies working to drive transformation in the defense sector, to hear directly from their business leaders, and to understand how they create value for their companies and their customers. I am Rich Brady, CEO of the American Society of Military Comptrollers, and I thank you again for joining us. I want to wish all of our viewers and listeners a happy new year and all the best in 2023. You are listening to Federal News Network. 
For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search ASMC. Thank you for listening to The Business of Defense, sponsored by ASMC on Federal News Network.